the uh, Broncos. Uh, all sorts of uh, records broken there. Last week, I didn't introduce us. Um, a bit arrogant, really. Uh, my name is Steve Mascord, and I'm here with Jimmy Smith. Uh, how are you, Jimmy? Uh, now, I mean, that was just... It was weird because it was like, on one hand, a 29-0 at half time, you kind of thought you could put some tea on and not even watch the second half. But then on the other hand, it was uh, it was kind of you couldn't look away. Really, it was uh, just you just wanted to know you know how far that score ball was going to tick over. Uh, just incredible. How are you, Steve? Hope you're well, and I hope all the the listeners and the viewers are well too. Yeah, uh, embarrassing, truly embarrassing. I know they've had a, a lot of young players in this side, the Brisbane Broncos, and there's lots of senior players who are out at the moment, um, and the inexperience of the team was documented well throughout the course of that match. But wow. I, I can't help but think, you know, based on what do we have five games ago? They were beaten 58 nil by the Parramatta Eels. That was in a semi-final and there was all sorts of question marks. And obviously it was a much stronger side than this one. All sorts of question marks about players' pre- uh, preparations. And uh, then there was, uh, it came out that they were at the pokies at different stages and which wouldn't have been a problem except they lost 58 nil. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Question marks on Anthony Seabold from a coaching perspective. All the drama around Darius Boyd, what they're going to do with him. Anthony Milford's a million-dollar player, allegedly, and and you know I'm loath to criticise players because of what they get paid. But when you start thinking about you're taking up nearly a tenth of the salary cap, we believe, and he played like he did tonight, like he literally did not want to take the line on at any point. So, um, Roosters exceptional. Roosters absolutely exceptional. Um, they seem to have adjusted very quickly to these new rules, Steve. Um, I don't know whether you you felt that they were that way inclined, but you know Jake Friend running out of dummy half more than ever. Kiri, when he gets the ball, changes the speed of the game. Flanagan had his best game for the Roosters, um, and then some of the forwards were Ia Hargreaves early. Victor Radley was sensational. Um, there wasn't there was literally not a bad player on the field for the Roosters. Yeah, I think the burning question, I think a lot of people raised it on social media, um, even um, from halfway through the first half, Jimmy, is, you know, we've only had one close game since the, the rule changes came in with the six again. Um, and, and you know, the, the burning question is, you know, to what extent um, are the rule changes responsible for that? And, and is it good? I mean, clearly the rules off the field, um, we are intended to keep the uh, competition uh, and the games even, i.e. the salary cap. Um, yep. And and I guess philosophically, uh, we have to sort of I guess examine beyond the nuts and bolts whether the rules on the field also should be designed to keep the games even. Uh, rugby league is uh, much harder um, to uh, artificially um, um, impose parity than some other sports. For instance, in in soccer, you know, there's two or three scoring. Um, um, uh, opportunities or two or three scores a game. So teams which on paper are very different in ability uh, can still be very close uh, near full time. In rugby league, you know, they're running at each other uh, and uh, they're not just using the ball, they're using their bodies. Um, and it is very, it's much harder for an underdog uh, to hang in there for 80 minutes and get a result. So the rules are already make it difficult um, for, you know, to, to, to maintain that sort of parity um, through the whole period of the match. Uh, and have we introduced rules that have made it even harder now? Yeah, and, and, and I'm a great believer in the fact that supremacy should be rewarded, right? Um, you know, if, you, if you're that much better, then it's not up to the referee to drag you back into the game uh, or, you know, drag you 
uh, drag the opposition back into the game. So, you know, that's what home crowds do, right? So it's really interesting that the, the Broncos in front of no one suffer their biggest loss in their history at, at uh, anywhere and their biggest loss at Suncorp Stadium. The first time ever they haven't been able to score a point at Suncorp Stadium. So all that happened in front of an empty Suncorp Stadium where the, where the referee usually is getting under pressure from the home fans for, you know, they've been doing it all day, sir. Um, so that's interesting in itself. Um, I don't know, Steve, I, you, you can't have it each way, can you? Like, you know, um, reward the team for their dominance, but you want close games as well. You, you, you can't have it both ways. The, the perfect yeah. mix. The perfect mix is that game. I don't know whether you saw it. Panthers and Newcastle, where down fourteen nil, Newcastle had no right to stay in that game, and yet that was as compelling a game of footy as you will see in a long time. Yeah, but it's the only close one we've had so far, and I, I actually do think, you know, it is the responsibility of the legislators to not allow the coaches to make the game boring, um, and so we've had this change, which uh, has introduced, I think, a lot, a lot more entertainment. But it's equally, you know, the legislator, the people legislating uh, for the rules are uh, representing the fans and the broadcasters, uh, media partners, sponsors. Uh, so that, that's, they are trying to uh, create a product that's attractive. And, you know, I, I think by the end of this weekend, we'll be able to see, I think if we look at the sample sizes, you'll be able to do some statistical analysis on the margins. And I don't think big margins are, are, are good. And I think if we saw... Again, I'll do the plug again, writing a book about 1997. You know, the start of the uh, 1997 season, um, the play the balls were far too quick in Super League. Uh, they thought um, that they were reacting against something that was bad in the game, which, which at the time was like the one out running and all this sort of stuff. Um, and um, so, and what they got was uh, players diving at the feet of defenders and playing the ball really quickly, had big scores. And it was only when they... Uh, saw the rules in action that they could see the flaws in them and that the, the rucks started to slow down again uh, by the end of the year under Graham Annesley and Bill Harrigan and all those sort of guys making decisions. And I think we're at a similar point with this rule uh, where we've seen the good sides of it last weekend, but we saw hints that it encouraged um, uh, big score lines. Uh, tonight, we saw a hint of that again. I think by the end of the weekend, if we don't have another close game, it'd be more than a hint. Uh, it wasn't an attractive footy tonight. So, so that's one thing. Like there was ball movement, and the you know some of the tries the Roosters scored were really, really full of skill. Um, but I take your point because how many Broncos fans are watching the last twenty minutes? And, yeah. and, and that's you got to, That's what you talk about with the broadcasters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and they've already said um, Peter Volandis has already said that he took the broadcasters' views on board uh, in introducing these rules that the game had become. Um, it's, you know, become a little bit boring. I mean, I mean, I think a lot boring at times. I mean, you know, there was so so much, you know, um, um, you know, one out running, and, and and there was you needed to be an exceptional player to shine in the NRL to impose yourself on a game in the NRL because it was so controlled, um, and and that's awesome that we've now, uh, you know, sort of t um, taken um, those shackles off. So, mm -hmm. so it's an important step forward, and 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 it certainly is a good idea, but that doesn't mean it's finished. That doesn't mean that, that it's perfect no. or that, that – and, no. and I think if we do start to see constant floggings, then I think the people who, um, um, who did a good job, you know, in the, on, the, on the chalkboard in the rules room before we returned, uh, they might have to go back to that room and get out the chalk again and just try to, um, try to improve it still more. Uh, there was a lot of one-out running tonight. 
it was just from the Broncos. That's all. <laughs> they didn't have anyone running with them, so uh, that, that that created its own problem. Uh, its own problem. Hey, before we look back at uh, last week, uh, give us an update of what's happening in the UK soon. Uh, are we any closer to having Super League back on the field? The last we spoke, which was last week, was August. No change to that. No, even though um, you know, there's indications which I think we foreshadowed last week, Jimmy, about the furloughing rules here and how much of your pay packet is paid by um, the the, um, uh, the the government. Um, that hasn't really led to any definitive announcements uh, regarding Super League or the lower divisions. I know the Premier League is now; they know when they're back. Um, Super League, I think, will. We'll have a look and see how that goes with the Premier League. I think they want to play as much of the season as possible in front of fans, if that is if that is at all possible. Um, the one thing that has happened this week is a final confirmation that the Ashes Tour is off and, and then we've had some debate about whether England should play against someone else, uh, be it a home nation or indeed uh, against uh, the, an Exiles team with some very good players. I mean, imagine if Greg Ingalls came over early and played for the Exiles. Um, so... Um, then we get this extra issue, which no one's written about yet, Jimmy, is, you know, at the end of the NRL season, when, every, when the New South Wales and Queensland players are playing Origin, um, all the other players should be released to represent other countries. Um, so if England were to have a, a test series against, you know, someone else, uh, then, uh, then, then the players really should be available to play in it unless they're tied up in Origin. But... We all know what the NRL clubs are like and, you know, I think we could have a little bit of a you-know-what fight over that if, if uh, some other uh, matches are organised. Yeah, it'd be disappointing, wouldn't it? I did see that uh, Super Rugby, there's a chance that there'll be fans in the stand in two weeks' time when Super Rugby goes back in New Zealand. So um, that goes to your point about getting some fans back there. And, you know, the, every, every competition, it seems... Um, at the elite level and, and even as we trickle further down from that, have different models based on um, different revenue streams you know, and, and some are more reliant on people turning up at games. You know, the NRL and someone like the AFL are more fortunate that, you know, basically 66% of their total revenue comes from broadcasters, which is a strength and a weakness, right? <laughs> you become very reliant yeah. You become very reliant on them, but in a time like this, you can get the TV product away, then... You get well. They're certainly not getting what they were. They renegotiated very, um, very uh, stridently. Did Channel Nine, mm. but they got their product, which is which has been really good. Hey, mate. I at know the risk of at the risk of getting political, Jimmy, I saw an interesting. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I, I thought this is a perfect segue to what I wanted to raise. Someone on social media said during the match tonight. Um, apparently, ten thousand people can go to a Black Lives Matter uh, um, um, protest. Uh, this weekend in Sydney, but you can't go to an NRL game. And and no matter your view on that, and I certainly personally am very supportive of that cause, and very very um, supportive of, um, of 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 you know the anti-racism and 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 us as a as a sort of species making progress in that area. And as we said before, when on air, I'm horrified about what's happening in the US at the moment. Um, but um, it's a great point, just purely logistically. If you if you take politics out of it, whatever your view is of, of the issues involved, um, it's a really good issue that the government, you know, apparently um, have said that this it's not an illegal gathering to have ten thousand people at a at a march, but you can't go to the football. And and the and t tell me what you think here, Jimmy. I think the only reasons are simply it's it's optics. Um, you can't deem this an illegal gathering because it's going to create too much drama for the authorities. Um, whereas it's much easier to 
um, so you can't go to the football. I think that you know that that's the reason. That's it. it may not be may not be fair, but as far as I can see, that's the only reason you can justify it. One might be um, described as premeditated, as in going mm. to the footy is yes, yeah. you can go to the footy, whereas the other might be a bit more organic. Um, but it's um, I literally was just about to ask you what was your take on because uh, I've seen some of your social media stuff throughout the course of the week. It's just it. It pains me that someone can be as uh, devoid of human emotion to have done that to George George Floyd. I, I'm trying to remember who it was, um, a leader, a US, an African American leader, who said, "We witnessed a lynching. This is what this is what a lynching looks like." Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah, recorded yeah, yeah. on social media, and it, it was so disturbing to see. The lack, how he, um, uh, he just showed no emotion, Chauvin, uh, the, the police officer. It, I, I can't believe that someone could have so much hate in their life that they, they would allow that. And I'm not surprised. You know, I think, I think because of what's happened with COVID and everyone's been on edge, certainly in the US, and I know that firsthand because of um, family members over there, but, um, you know, I... I stand with those people who are protesting about what has occurred because we know it's not an isolated incident. And yeah, so and again, it's but very sad. Again, I mean, the, the thing is, I guess this is like a rugby league show and it's such a drop in the ocean, what, what we think of uh, such a massive issue like that. But I did get involved uh, in a conversation on Facebook this week with a couple of US internationals, rugby league players. Uh, Nick Newland, um, the prop forward, was uh, commenting... Um, uh, about you know how terrible it was and and how but also how you know that um, there were opportunists going to these pro protests and trying to create um, drama and then um, uh, uh, Curtis Kunz who's uh, um, also a forward who played for the USA who's all, who is African American um, you know um, got involved and he 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 was totally focused on the you know um, George Floyd and the and the um, uh, horrible you know racism that that appears endemic in, in parts parts of American life and um, to, to sort of get involved in that conversation and sort of walk the middle of it. Um, and, you know, Nick was saying that um, uh, even in, in, in terrible times of trouble like this, which should transcend, you know, left and right, that people still want to say, well, you're left or you're right if you hold a certain opinion um, and that that was a terrible aspect of modern life, that everything gets reduced to yeah. that. and. Um, and, and, and so I just, just, again, so, so, you know, I, I don't, um, I guess from the point of view of being a rugby league pundit and talking about these giant issues and it seeming, I mean, we feel like we have to talk about it, but it does affect, it has, it does affect people in our little community as well, because our, our little community, um, you know, is, is the United States is part of our little community. So yeah. And Atlanta is a, Atlanta is a sort of a newish you know, hotbed of, of our sport, certainly New York has been, uh, Philadelphia. Um, and so we, you know, um, we know people who, who are affected by this and um, who are scared to go outside and um, whose businesses are affected. And, uh, and, and it's a terrible, it's a terrible time uh, for everybody. So, you know, I, I guess on one hand, someone might say you're trivialising it by talking about it on a footy show. And someone else might say you're trivialising it even more by trying to reduce it to rugby league. But, um, you know, I'm just trying to give a, um, um, 
you make it make it a little bit relevant to, 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 the, to the sport we're talking about here uh, tonight. I, re- I read a statistic that said that, um, you know, before George Floyd, uh, black workers were being furloughed and, and put off um, uh, by employers at a rate of two to one compared to white workers. Mm. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah, we, we, we uh, I'm not saying we're devoid of that in Australia, but I'm, it's, it's definitely not as um, prominent as it seems to be in the US. Um, what did you make of last week's round beyond the, the, the game we spoke about last Thursday, uh, which was the, the Eels-Broncos game? But uh, we've spoken very briefly. I think there's about three and a half minutes extra ball in play each game. There's a huge amount of run metres extra per game, more tackles, etc. Certainly more points, less penalties. Um, was there a standout side in your mind? Was there a standout player from what you saw? I was excited by the Raiders, but I think everyone um, over here in the UK were, um, who follows rugby league were excited by the Raiders, particularly by the performance of George Williams. He was trending. Um, at, yes, he was. He was trending in the UK. Um, and, um, you know, it, 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 Sean Wayne must be, you know, looking at him um, to be, if he has a game at the end of the year, if Sean Wayne can organise a test or two, uh, must be looking at him to be halfback for England with maybe Gareth Whittap, his partner. But the interesting one, and I'm, to, to rewind a little bit, um, Victor Radley is eligible for, for England. Um, and the question is, um, but Sean Wayne is quite a patriot. He, not a, he doesn't seem a huge fan of Australians representing England or Kiwis or whatever, Samoans. Um, so um, whether, um, whether he would actually pick up the phone to Victor Radley is, is a big question. 